this was about as bizarre and as easy as it gets. So the number for me was a number that would allow me to never have to work. I feel like we got top, top, top. I went from a sale of you know five hundred thousand dollars to in debt. One hundred ninety-two million dollars. This is Built to Sell Radio with your host John Warlow. Hey guys, this is John Warlow. This episode of Built to Sell Radio is brought to you by the Value Builder Score. If you haven't got your score yet, I'd encourage you to take 13 minutes and complete the questionnaire you'll find at valuebuilder.com. It'll give you your score on the eight key drivers of company value. You're going to learn some different things about what drives the value of your business. You'll be able to see how you performed on these eight unique factors. Go to valuebuilder.com. So when's the right time for you to sell your company? After three years? five years, 10 years, 20. I mean, it's a question that I think we all have to answer in our own minds. At what point do we lose the energy, the excitement of building a company? And is it better off in someone else's hands? And the next interview is with a guy named Peter Shankman. Peter Shankman started HARO, Help a Reporter Out, a service that linked people with expertise to writers and journalists who needed content. And in HARO's case, it was a three-year run for Peter, and after three years, he had reached a point where he was ready to sell the business, in part because in his own admission, he struggles with ADHD, and as a result, three years was a long time to focus on anything. Haro was running at about a $1.5 million clip rate when he decided that it was time to sell. And in this interview, I found it really interesting probing a little bit with Peter on why that was the right time to sell. If he left money on the table, if he didn't have ADHD, would it have been a better exit, et cetera? And I think his answers are really interesting and show that for an ADHD entrepreneur, in, at least in Peter's case, he felt the time was right after three short years of running his company. Here to tell you the entire story is Peter Shankman. Peter Shankman, welcome to Built to Sell Radio. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know for sure. So tell you know, I I know, I've known Haro for a while. Um, help a reporter out, uh, which is a great name. And uh, for folks who don't know your company, maybe you could just describe a little bit about what the company did um, and the kind of original idea, how it came about. Yeah, I am a uh, so I'm I'm a I'm a entrepreneur by design and and necessity, I guess. And so I started a company called Help a Reporter Out that <clears throat> I sold several years ago, but still connect is still used in use to this day and connects journalists with sources all around the world. So if you are a uh, journalist looking for a source, if you are a, a source who wants to tell their story, uh, I made it a lot easier for people to find each other. And it was a free service; it still is. And um, yeah, I, I did it as a favor to help friends, and it was uh, pretty awesome. I had a, a really great experience running it and selling it, and. Uh, very, very, very awesome. Just a great several years, and uh, really pushed me into um, into sort of where I am now. So awesome time, and it's uh, still what I love is it's still very active. It's still very uh, alive, and there are still um, hundreds of thousands of people using it each week. That's great. So what's the business model? You mentioned it's a free service. How'd you make money? Uh, there was a small so so the the emails that we'd send out would be from journalists uh, to sources. So a journalist would be doing a story on X, and if you could answer X, great, you get in the press. And so we would. Um, we would do that, and uh, you know, the day you didn't open the Harrow email was the day that uh, they were talking about your client or your company or your industry, and you missed out. So, I kind of created email crack in the respect that you had to open it, you had to read it, and so because of that, 
Um, we had a, a ridiculously high 79% open rate uh, on emails that were being sent out three times a day. So three times a day, five days a week, 79% open rate on average. Because of that, I was able to have a small little text ad at the top of each email that went for uh, a very decent amount of money. So the text ad would be from whom? Like who, who would have advertised on those text ads? It varies. Uh, we had, I mean, this is again, seven years ago, so my memory's a little shoddy, but we had uh, companies ranging from, uh, we had hotel chains, we had uh, people who were companies that worked in the PR space, we had, um, God, pretty much everyone. Uh, uh, during the holidays, we had gifts, we had all sorts of things, and companies would advertise because they wanted to reach a, a very engaged and open audience. And so the, the people who opened the emails were the experts or the journalists? They were the experts. Um, they were experts. They were people that ran a PR firm. Ran PR firms. They were they were experts in their industry. They were people who knew about certain things, whatever those things were. It was uh, yeah, a little bit of everything. So it was advertising supported. When did you start it? Uh, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven, and and then you sold in two thousand ten. Ten. So a, a nice quick exit. Give us a sense of how big the business got before you sold it in terms of kind of number of employees, top line revenue, some some kind of measure of, of size. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the company had three employees, including myself. Um, I, uh, you know, we pretty much had clients or, or, or readers from all around the world. We're in, I think, over 100 countries. Um, the revenue was generating about $1.5 million a year in revenue, um, which was pretty decent considering it was, you know, being published off my couch. <laughs> the ideal business is like, you can imagine the the perfect business. It was uh, totally yep. mobile. You could do it anywhere you wanted, I guess, in the world. No question about it. Got it. So why why sell? I mean, well, sounds like I have the perfect a, business. I have ADHD. I have ADHD and I am, uh, you know, I like to keep things, I like to stay busy. I like to have new things exciting me and things like that. And as much as I love the company and I had a blast running it, um, I had two options. It was either uh, ramp it up, uh, you know, hire 10 people, become a manager and do all the things that I'm not good at or get it acquired. Let it grow uh, through a, 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 a an established team, an established brand that could really take it to the next level and free me up to do something else. And that's what I chose to do. So, I mean, I guess there was a third option and maybe maybe in your mind it wasn't there, but with a million five in revenue, uh, three employees, I'm guessing it was pretty profitable. It was. So why not? It was, but I keep because it? you know you always want to make you you don't want to sit on your laurels. You sit on your laurels, you tend to get uh, bored. If you get bored, you tend to screw up. I didn't want that, and uh, I was getting I was at the point where I'm like, well, you know, this is fun, but I've been doing it for three years now, and it's really becoming more about managing it than it is about exciting it. So uh, let's see what else is out there. Now you mentioned you have ADHD, and and usually that's used as a punchline and a joke, but in your case, it's not a joke. It's a, it's a diagnosis. You do have ADHD. I understand. I have massive ADHD. I was diagnosed countless years ago. Um, <clears throat> I have been uh, uh, was diagnosed several years ago. I use it actually to my advantage. I run the number one podcast on uh, on iTunes uh, about ADHD called Faster Than Normal, where I actually look at faster than normal as a gift, not a curse. I believe that uh, if you manage it the right way and if you control it in such a way uh, that you understand how your brain works and why you're different and understand that different is actually good uh, – you can actually use it to your advantage. I, I believe that a lot of the things I've done in my life, a lot of the successes I've had in my life have been because, or at least partially fueled by the fact that I do have ADHD and because of that, my brain thinks differently. You know, my, my last company was a, it was a quantitative market research business and we actually looked into the correlation between ADHD and entrepreneurship. And it turns out it is incredibly strong. I mean, if you look at through the, the history books, there are countless examples of entrepreneurs, everyone from Richard Branson to others that have said, 
yeah, you know, I, I, I am uh, ADHD or, or have been diagnosed with this or think I might have, have, have got this. Some people go undiagnosed. It's, it's a real thing. It, no question about it. And, you know, when I was growing up, it didn't exist. When I was growing up, it was sit down, you're disrupting the class disease. And, you know, I think that was good in a way because I was able to, to, to the things I learned, um, what I learned now, the things I was doing, whether it was acting out in class, being the class clown, which is translated later in life to my public speaking, um, my running Ironman triathlons, my skydiving, you know, all of that is self-medication. And that is a good way. It's a way for me to self-medicate and get the, the dopamine, the serotonin, things like that that I need um, without um, uh, doing anything negative or dangerous or things like that. So, so for me, it was great that I was able to learn later in life that I had it because it told me what, what I was doing was okay and how to uh, continue working on that. I guess a lot of people listening think that they may have ADHD. They've certainly probably been told they do at some point. How does one, I mean, is ADHD a, a, uh, a spectrum thing where you, you can have a little bit of it or is it binary? Either have it or you don't. I think you have it or you don't, but you also, there are levels to which you have it. You know, if you have it, you know it. The problem is, is that it's being tossed around so many times right now and so much right now that people think, oh, I lost my keys. I must have ADHD. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. Maybe you just need to figure out a better place to put your keys. You know, I, I am much more about um, understanding that I have something that my brain operates in a different way. And as such, um, I need to make sure that I am focused on doing things in the way that works best for me. A lot of people would look at a company with, <coughs> excuse me, a million five in revenue and three employees, and in your own admission, you're working on it from your couch. You know, a lot of people would look at it and say, that is a gold mine. I don't want to touch this thing. I don't want to become a manager. And, and you chose to get rid of it, to sell it. And I guess where I'm thinking of, of a lot of listeners listening to this saying, you know, I've got this sort of uh, attention deficit. I'm, I'm, I'm not great at sort of the 20, 30 year business. I need variety. How did you reconcile in your own mind that it was the right time to sell? I mean, w was there part of you that thought, man, I'm just, this is just foolish. I, I should hang on to this thing. No, not so much that I thought it was foolish. I think that, you know, I was at the point where I'm like, I want to, I've done what I want to do. I built something. Uh, we've changed uh, in some respects, how journalism functions in this country. And we've we've made things tremendously beneficial for journalists and for sources. I've done what I wanted to do. I can keep doing this, but you know what? The excitement of doing it has worn off a little bit and I want to see what else is out there. And I know there are more things I can be doing. So what did you do next? When you made that decision, um, what was the next step? I mean, how did you find a buyer essentially? I actually had the buyer come to me, our largest advertiser at the time. Uh, I was having dinner with uh, their CEO and he reached out to me and he goes, you know, I, I really like what you've built. I would love to, uh, I would love to uh, talk about uh, possibly integrating your, what you've built into us. And it, you know, six months later it was, the deal was done. So what were they advertising? Uh, they were a company called Vocus. Vocus was a public relations and uh, marketing software firm. And uh, they um, were advertising to get people on board, to get people to um, become a part of, 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 to join their 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 paid service. Um, and uh, we, after a while, it just seemed to make sense that that my my um, uh, company was a very very good uh, on ramp for them. Vocus, when you say it's a software PR software company, what does that mean? Like, what kind of software does a PR company need, and what 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 do they do? Uh, well, they they created things that allowed um, that allowed um, Vocus had media databases, 
and they had ways of tracking your measurement of PR and things like that. So it was really a company that that sold to PR firms. What was your first reaction at dinner when the CEO of this company said they wanted to acquire you? I mean, did you keep a poker face? Did you laugh? What was your physical reaction? I was pretty excited. I mean, I was, I was, I, I, you know, I tried to stay very calm, but I was, I was definitely excited. It was, it was great to, uh, great to know I was, I was, uh, I was wanted. It was a great feeling. What'd you say? Great feeling. Um, I think I said, you know, I think we'd definitely be interested in pursuing that. I would love to talk more about it. Sure. Then where to go? Uh, I don't remember. I think we were finishing dinner and I think I reached out a few days later. He reached out a few days later and said, how do we follow this up? And, and, uh, you know, Nick, I think a month or two later, he had sent me a, um, you know, a deal memo and, uh, then it went to the lawyers. The deal memo that you got, I mean, what was maybe talk to us a little bit about what, what included, what was included in that? I mean, a lot of people listening will have never received any sort of offer or letter of intent or deal memo. I mean, what were some of the things that, that he included in that, in that memo? Uh, he just told me the, the price he was, they were willing to pay, um, what they expected of me. Uh, it was actually, I mean, it was less than a page. What they expected of me, the price they were willing to pay, the assets they would be getting. I think that was it. And what did they say they were willing to pay? Uh, that's not actually something we talked about. That's not something I'm, I, I'm public with. Uh, they gave me a very good price, a price that I was thrilled with, and um, I can tell you it was under $10 million. Got it. And so it is, can you give us a sense, um, I mean, without going into details about profitability, it might help people know um, kind of multiples of EBITDA or multiples of profit. Is, is there something around there that would give us a sense? I can of- tell you that the, the price of the, the company, the sale, was for under $10 million. And everything else, I'm still tied to on disclosure for that. Got it. So, in terms of the the actual price that you got, you said that you were happy with it. What made you happy with it? Why did you think it was a fair price or something that exceeded your expectations? Well, I became a millionaire overnight, which is really kind of nice. Um, and I I'm not greedy. I believe that I was doing something that benefited people. And what wound up happening uh, after that was, um, you know, I, I got remunerated for it in a way that made me happy. That made um, that made my friends happy um, in a way that made the company who bought me happy. So I thought that everyone won, and, and in, a, in, a, in a great, in the best negotiation, everyone winning is really what you want. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm trying to figure out did did you seek the advice of experts or external sort of sources to figure out what you what the thing was worth? I, mean, I talked to friends. I talked to my attorney. I talked to a couple people I was working with who had also been entrepreneurs in the past. Yeah, several people. Got it. So you had a bit of a ballpark what what they had said. How wide was that range of sort of opinions from the people you spoke with? It varied. I mean, at the end of the day, I had to go with my gut. Um, but it was it was certainly um, they were varied. Uh, some people said it was too low. Some people said it was a great price. Um, you know, for me, it was really about um, knowing that I was doing the right thing at the right time. Um, yeah, I was. I, I absolutely no regrets about the way I played it. Did- did you at all think about what a short period of time that you'd run the business? Um, was that because a lot of people will listen to this and say, you know, I've I've been doing I've been you know building widgets and and make you know running my company for twenty five years. I need to be paid for that. In your case, you had an idea, you went for it, and three years later you got paid. Were, were you ma- when you thought about the math on whether it was a good fair price? Were you thinking about those three years and and the ROI on such a short amount of time? I think I, I got very lucky. Um, and I think that for me, it was, again, right place, right time. I did the right thing uh, at the time it was supposed to be. And um, 
So, you know, I'm a big believer that the universe tends to unfold the way it should. And in that case, it most certainly did. The deal memo itself, when you got um, kind of into the weeds of the deal memo, I guess there was a period, and maybe correct me, but there was a period between them sending the deal memo and the, and the, and the deal closing. Um, I'm assuming there was some, some diligence that took place during that time, or they're yeah, checking Yeah, there was definitely out. due diligence on, on both sides, no question about it. Got it. And so what was the, the, the biggest sort of hurdle to get through during that diligence phase? I think for me, it was just a wake up call that things don't happen overnight. And no matter how uh, much you want them to, sometimes you have to sit down and wait. And I don't do very well with that. So, you know, it was uh, it was a tough, tough few weeks. I won't lie. But, you know, I, I survived by going to the gym a lot and uh, managed to get through. How long were you asked to stay on as as the head Two of the Two years. Two years. Yep. And, and if you don't mind me asking, what proportion of your kind of remuneration was tied to you staying on? Um, it varied. I mean, there was a, there was a, I had a certain, uh, uh, part of it that was tied to my staying on, but I had no problem doing it because I loved what I was doing. And it seemed like a perfect trans, um, uh, perfect, uh, uh, so what I'm looking for when you go from one thing to another perfect yeah, transition, I guess. Or... Transition. Thank you. I'm tired. Yes. Perfect transition. Got it. And so in terms of people who are going through something similar, I mean, if you're, if your buddy was had a million a business with a million five in revenue, three employees, and, and he or she was thinking of of selling it. What advice would you give them going into the negotiation? I think at the end of the day, if if you if you want to sell it, if it's something you want to do, then, then that's what you need to do. Um, you know, I think that you know if the offer they're giving you will make you happy and allow you to be happy doing something new, then that's what you want to do. Um, but you know, I can't. It really depends on everyone and on what no no two people are specific, right? So for me, the the timing and the facts worked out the way they should. For other people, not necessarily. I mean, I I, I suppose in any different situation, I would have I could have walked away as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know, in your case, you know better than anybody practically that the you know there there may be a downside to ADHD in the sense that that thing, some things do take time to gestate. They take time to, to kind of work through maybe a business to reach its full potential takes decades as opposed to three years. I guess I'm wondering, did the ADHD hinder your, the, the, the overall outcome for you? Or again, do you, are there, are there in your own mind, do you continue to think it was um, the right call? I don't regret anything about selling when I did. Um, it was totally the right call at the right time. Um, I was thrilled about the way it went. I was thrilled that I got to do it. I was thrilled that I had the opportunity to run it. Um, and I was thrilled that I made some money out of it. So I, I really had absolutely no complaints um, the way the process went. I was very, very happy, and I felt very fortunate. Did you buy yourself any trophies, Any anything that uh, sort of acts as an emblem of, of the success? You know what? I'm not a huge. Uh, I'm actually kind of a minimalist, so I don't really have that much stuff. I mean, I think I, I think I had dinner. Um, I think I went to, and it was funny because actually the the announcement was made in D.C. and I'm based in New York, and so I had to fly immediately from D.C. to Boston to give a speech, and so I think I stopped for a cheeseburger on uh, at the airport, and that was like my celebratory cheeseburger. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not really into that for me. I, I, I bought an apartment a couple of years later. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know. For me, I was just 
again, I felt great. I felt fortunate. And I was, I was able to smile at the end of the day. I just, you know, knowing that I can help people and that knowing that I maybe make the world a little better place is, is fine by me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to your point, you did all, it does sound like the, the, the many legs of the stool sort of, it worked out. It was a, it was a win, 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 so to speak, both for, uh, no the question about it. Yeah. and yourself. What about the three employees? No doubt. What about the three employees? How did you kind of broach it with them? Well, it was two employees plus myself. Uh, they all stayed, they both stayed on. They were very happy. Um, uh, they, one of them, uh, they both transitioned into working for the, neither of them worked like in my, you know, with me, like we, we worked together, but we were all, uh, uh, remote. So they were able to continue doing that. And, uh, yeah, I think they were a lot happier to know they had like an HR department and they had people they could go to when they had problems, whatever. And that was a lot more than they had with me. So, so, so they were very well taken care of. So for them, it, it, it was an upgrade in the sense that they got a company with some infrastructure and so forth. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. What did you do after Haro? I mean, what, what are you doing these days? I wrote a book. Um, I've written several books, actually. Uh, one of them was um, I wrote a book about uh, called Nice Companies Finish First, which is the premise that, you know, being a decent person and running a decent company actually can uh, pay off very, very well. I followed that up with a book on customer service called Zombie Loyalists. I'm a corporate, currently a corporate keynote speaker. I run a mastermind group for entrepreneurs called uh, Shank Minds. Um, I have the ADHD podcast called Faster Than Normal, the top podcast on iTunes for ADHD. Um, I stay crazy. I just finished another book uh, being published by uh, Random House in the fall about ADHD. So I'm having fun. What about Geek Factory? What's that? Geek Factory is still a holding company. That was my original PR firm. And now that's a holding company. <clears throat> when I try something new, I tend to run it through Geek Factory. It's just uh, easier for uh, for uh, financial tracking purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Where can people get a hold of you, Peter, if they uh, want to reach out? Yeah, my entire life is at shankman.com. You can find me there. I'm at Peter Shankman on almost all the socials. Peter Shankman, thanks for joining us. Hey, pleasure was mine. Thanks for listening to Built to Sell Radio with John Warlow. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit builttosell.com slash blog. John is the founder of the Value Builder System. To find out how to improve the value of your business by 71%, visit valuebuildersystem.com. John is also the author of Built to Sell, creating a business that can thrive without you, and the automatic customer, creating a subscription business in any industry. Connect with John at facebook.com slash built to sell or on Twitter at John Warlow, W-A-R-R-I-L-L-O-W.